0: This is a special book for me. Uh, 30 years ago, this year, uh, a little later, a couple months, uh, I got in my truck and I drove down here and moved into the business over on the corner of Davis and Brent and took over that business. And after not sleeping for three days, I, I finally laid down in the office on the floor. And when my head hit the ground, I said, what have I done? And I rolled over. Turned on a little light I'd put on the floor and opened this Bible up to the first chapter of James. <laughs> he who suffers trials of many kinds, count it joy. When you're looking for wisdom, ask, but don't doubt. Before coming down here, I'd made a commitment. You are not going to doubt this decision. You're not going to doubt this move for six months. You press on. You know, be perseverant and stick with it. And let's you know, don't, don't even ask or question until after six months. You've got to give it that long. Every night for the next six months, I rolled over, and I read James. So it's an important book to me as an encouragement for trusting God, for submitting your decisions to God, for seeking Him, and for seeking counsel. I had some great friends back in Virginia that uh, encouraged, prayed with me through it, challenged me, admonished me criticized plans and everything else, but uh, in the end, it all worked out. Um, <clears throat> am I? I didn't turn it on, huh? <clears throat> in any case, James James, uh, being the first book um, gets short-shift a lot of times uh, because of the way it was written, and we're going to go into that. I've taught James a couple of times, I'd forgotten I had done that until I started going back through some notes, but it was different. It wasn't an overview, it was specific on some specific scriptures or things, Uh, and I found this one to be more challenging, uh, oddly enough, to try to compress it uh, and yet keep some of the content. So, uh, let's hit it. But before we do so, James 3, 1 and 2, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his own body. I am not perfect, and I am unbelievably humbled to be teaching this. Uh, I don't feel worthy to teach this. So please, if we can begin in prayer. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we just look for you to open our hearts to your word, to the message of James. Help us to understand who he was speaking to, what his message was, and what your message is to us through it. Lord, I pray that you would be with us today. Keep us from error, keep us from misdirection, uh, and help us again, Lord, just to uh, worship you and to draw closer to you in the midst of all this. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So, let's set the stage. Christ has His ministry. He was crucified, He was raised from the dead, and He was seen by lots of folks. The church was born. There was no no Scripture except the Old Testament and maybe some writings. There there was a lot of uh, spoken word where people spoke and taught, but not that much was written down. Only the teachings of the Old Testament and those of Christ uh, that were reflected upon and applied to this new good news. Uh, the gospel and the new way, uh, which was being presented in the midst of the old way. The synagogue was the common meeting place until persecutions began and the church was scattered among the nations. Now remember, persecution had happened a long time ago. The Jews were already scattered. They had been scattered and they, even after being scattered, they began moving, trying to find a place to exist and live without persecution. Uh, it was tough. So many of them were poor. <clears throat> the Jews had been under persecution from Rome for some time. Herod died in 4 B.C. We think Christ was born between 7 and 4 B.C. But prior to Herod, there had been a lot of, of persecution already. What happened, what happened after Herod was when his grandson uh, Agrippa took over in 37, began taking over in 37 A.D., he began to persecute the Christians. Why? He was trying to please Rome. He was trying to contain the Jews that weren't particularly cared for in Rome. And by, by, um, by keeping the Jews happy in the area where he was, uh, he would please Rome because there weren't uprisings, there weren't, there weren't protests, there weren't riots. So uh, in order to do that, he found that he could find favor with the Jews by persecuting the Christians. And he let it roll. And then, of course, Paul uh, was persecuting the way up until his conversion in or around 35 to 39 A.D. Um, <clears throat> anybody know what Pentecost was? Is We think of Pentecost as when lots of people were converted to Christianity. Pentecost had been around for a long time. It was a feast, the Shabbat. Primarily it was the Thanksgiving of the first fruits and later became associated with the remembrance of the law given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. So people came from all over the world. They came to this festival from a great distance. At the Pentecost that we talk about in the book of Acts, they came from Parthia, Media, Elam, Mesopotamia, a whole list of people, all the way from Rome to northern Africa to Asia, uh, from all over the known world. There were 3,000 people that were converted at that Pentecost. And where did they go when they were finished? They went back home. What did they take with them? They took the gospel. Look at the area that was covered from Rome all the way over into northern Africa and, again, through most of what was known as the world. So that's who James was speaking to. He was speaking to the Jews who had been displaced but were now part of the church. And there was just nothing for them. There were were a lot of different kinds of teachers that came in and and were, were teaching things, not all of which were right. And now you had a lot of Jews that were free from the law but they weren't doing much. So, who was James? James was a very common name in the period of time of of Christ. James is a common name to us. Pick your James. Uh, They're all over the place. Anybody remember uh, James P. Sullivan? Bottom center? (laughs) Or James the choo-choo? There's a disagreement as to James, uh, who he was. Most of the scholars that I've read most of the, I would, wouldn't say just the consensus but is that James was the brother of Christ the half brother of Christ but that was has been disputed over the years most of that dispute comes from the orthodox and the catholic traditions why what happens to the belief that Mary was a virgin and that Mary remained a virgin throughout her life if James was the half brother of Jesus then there's a problem there uh, so Mary changes who Mary is or, or what they teach about Mary. However, most of them, most of them accept, most of the uh, commenta- commentators that I've read have accept that James is the brother of Christ. <clears throat> so um, the, the terms ref- referred to there are that uh, James was known as James the Just. He was James of Jerusalem. He was James that presided over the Jerusalem council, and he was James, the brother of Jesus. He was also James, the brother of Jude. How many of you have older siblings? Yeah, I'm, I'm the youngest of three, okay? And I can remember, my brother's eight years older than I am, and I can remember the things that he did, some that he should have done, some that he shouldn't <laughs> have done. But I can also remember, I guess because I was younger, parents thought I probably wasn't listening or hearing. I could hear a lot of discussion about him and what are we going to do with him and worried about his future and worried about what he's doing and how is he going to do this and, and that. But he was a role model for me, some in good ways and some in bad ways. Uh, I had him on a pedestal. You know, he was my big brother. Um, what about James? What did he see in Jesus in the same household? Do you think there was favoritism to Jesus? Was Jesus like a Joseph? Coat of many colors? Was there jealousy? What do you think? Can you imagine? Can you imagine his parents trying not to show favoritism and yet this is the Son of God? (laughs) How would they behave? How would you behave? How would you treat them? The book of James exhibits many characteristics of Jesus' teaching. One commentator observed that James depends more than any other New Testament author on the teachings of Jesus. Not that he directly quotes Jesus, though he does in James 5, where he's referring to oaths from Matthew, from from Christ's talking in Matthew uh, 5.33, but that Jesus' teaching is woven into the very fabric of His own instruction. James became a believer after observing the resurrection. Uh, James was written in 45 to 49 A.D. A little tighter thinking on that was probably 45, 46 A.D. before the Jerusalem Council, which was in 49. James is the first or the oldest book of the New Testament. James was martyred in A.D. 62, according to Josephus. Uh, he was thrown from the parapet, the highest point of the temple. It didn't kill him, so they beat him to death with clubs. So here's James in 45-46. Paul's first book was 49-50 to 50, uh, to the Galatians. And you see, last week, I believe we did Titus, 62-64 60, and Revelations. Uh, will be the bookend, the other bookend, 94-96 to 96 A.D. So James was written to the twelve tribes that were scattered among the nations. Luther was quoted as saying that James was an epistle of straw. You ever heard that? Luther also said, It is enough to make men to receive this epistle that it contains nothing unworthy of an apostle of Christ. It is indeed full of instruction on various subjects, the benefit of which extends to every part of the Christian life. For there are here remarkable passages on patience, prayer prayer to God, the excellency and fruit of heavenly truth, humility, holy duties, the restraining of the tongue, the cultivation of peace, the repressing of lust, the contempt of the world, and the like things which we shall separately discuss in their own places. What Calvin had to say about James. James. And as Paul contends that men are justified without the aid of works, so James will not allow any to be regarded as justified who are destitute of good works. Whoa. Due attention to the scope will thus disentangle every doubt, for the error of our opponents lies chiefly in this, that they think James is defining the mode of justification, whereas his only object is to destroy the depraved security of those who vainly pretend faith as an excuse for their contempt of good works. Therefore, let them twist the words of James as they may. They will never extract out of them more than the two propositions, that an empty phantom of faith does not justify, and that the believer, not contented with such an imagination, manifests his justification by good works. James was not addressed to any one church, like... Uh, first and 2 Peter 1 through 3 John and Jude, it was addressed to the broader church. Okay, Ron DeSantis writes a letter and he sends it out to everybody uh, and you get the letter and you read it and there's a lot in there about what's going on or what he's doing on a subject or a topic. Um, it becomes part of the narrative. It becomes part of our discussion of the things that we do. Uh, so we talk about it. We may refer to it, but we may not even attribute it to him. That was pretty common in the day. There were, James's letter went out, and he was referred to often in some of the other writings, but there was non-attribution, which was very common in that day. A lot of it was told and retold. What happens if Ron DeSantis writes you a personal letter, handwritten, under his own signature? about a specific topic or about something that he's wanting to talk to you about or maybe ask for, how would you receive that letter? Would you tell people about it? Would you maybe frame it? (laughs) Would you maybe do something else with it? So Paul writes a letter to the Galatians. He writes, writes a letter to the Ephesians. It's talked about. It's referred to. This is our letter. You know, they're they're talking about it. So it was talked about, it was recognized. James was to a broader church, and it wasn't necessarily attributed to him, but it became part of the thinking of the church. It became part of the, of the foundation of the doctrine and the disciplines and the, the thinking within the church. So it just wasn't known. And so when it came, when theologians came to the point of trying to define what is Scripture and not, you, don't, you didn't hear a lot about James. And he didn't show up by name until the 3rd century, And it wasn't until the 4th century when Athanasius included James in his canon of Scripture that you see James is listed in the canon. So he was first to be written, but he was one of the last ones to be included in the canon. It has a decidedly Jewish flavor. It's been referred to in different times as an epistle, wisdom literature, diatribe, rant. There's some other terms. But the point is, is that it's hard to pigeonhole James. Some of it sounds like Proverbs, some of it sounds like Christ's teaching, or like parables, or like stories, or like just some random thinking. But the best description that I've seen is best understood as a brief sermon or homily or extraction from a series of sermons that a pastor would send to his church, to his congregation that are spread out. The church was trying to find its way. James was addressing primarily Jewish believers who were now free from the law and behaving to some degree as antinomians. They were not doing much. They were claiming the gospel, but they were a little lax on their, on their not just their works, but on uh, their recognition of sin. Paul was, Paul's focus was on grace, where James's was on spiritual wholeness you could use that as a central theme of James, spiritual wholeness for the individual and for the church. Paul strikes at legalism. James strikes at quietism. Luther was faced with forms of Roman Catholic theology that that had a great emphasis on works. So he focused on Paul, on grace. Wesley was faced with a church that was a bit indifferent to moral instructions. So he focused on James' teaching. Both have a place. James' most in- important contribution to New Testament theology is in the area of ethics. No other book of the New Testament concentrates so exclusively on ethical questions. That was Wolfgang Schrangs. Wolfgang it is purity of intention, dedicating all the life to God. It is the devoting, not a part, but all our soul, body, and substance to God. And Spurgeon says, what a Magna Carta this is. The Old Covenant says, keep the law and live. The New Covenant is, you shall live and I will lead you to keep the law, for I will write it on your heart. Or the great theologian Charlie Brown says, life is like an ice cream cone, you got to lick it a day at a time. So we look at James. first chapter of James is essentially an outline of the book of James. 2-5 2-5 talks about testing and temptation. Verse 5, wisdom, 6-8, prayer and faith, rich and poor, or favoritism in general. Uh, God's giving new birth through the word, speech, controlling the tongue, doing the word, not just claiming it, concern for the downtrodden, mercy, avoiding worldliness. When you put those together, uh, you see you see the comparison here. So who has one, James 1, 2 through 5? But James 5, 7 to 11. Okay, wisdom. Who has one five? If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And three, thirteen to forty three, thirteen to four three.
2: this, that your passions are at war with you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it
0: on your passions. Prayer and faith, <laughs> 1, 6 to 8. Anybody here okay? Can you hear people reading over here? We can move the mic around if you need to.
3: And James five, thirteen to eighteen.
2: The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit.
0: Rich and poor, 9 and 11. 1, 9 through 11.
2: The sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. <clears throat> its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits.
0: 2, 1 through 9. So it's not just rich and poor, but it's partiality in a broader sense too. 4, 13 to 17.
2: Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. 5, 1 to
0: 6. Okay, and James 1, 16 to 18. How about James 1 19 to 20 and 26. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let
3: every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart,
0: this person's religion is worthless. Ouch. How about 3, 1 to 11? How about four, eleven, and twelve. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone
4: who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one law giver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy.
0: But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And yeah. five to twelve? Okay, James 1, doing the word. 2, 8 through 13 oh I'm sorry 8 and 9 yes I, I abbreviated that on the one hand I'm sorry 2, 8 to 9 2, 14 to 26. It's a little bit long.
1: That God is one. You do well. The demons also will and shudder. But you are willing to recognize. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead.
0: Okay, concern for the downtrodden, 127. has 2, 1 through 18. We've already talked about some of two. I think I took that one out because we had already talked about it uh, to a great extent up above. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor men, you sit over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not, mur- do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers? You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. It's a little bit repetitive from what, what we had already read, but still uh, it applies to the, uh, you know, to the different topic. Uh, chapter 1 through 27, we already read, right? And who has 4, 10, uh, four, 4 through 10?
2: in the morning and your joy to bloom humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you
0: do you hear the pastoral feel to this letter do you hear the admonitions and the exhortations coming to a people that are kind of tippid in their faith <clears throat> James is about dispelling myths myth number one trials are bad James says, on the contrary, trials are joy. They bring maturity. They cause us to depend on God. Life and trials will pass, but God's truth will not. Trials are part of God's good purpose. They strengthen our faith. Myth number two, faith is what I think. James says, faith is what I think and what I do. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Hearing without doing is confusing and potentially self-deceiving. Real faith is active faith. D.A. Carson says, The worst possible heritage to leave with children, high spiritual pretensions and low performance. Hypocrisy. Do what I say, not what I do. <clears throat> Myth number three, religion is a private matter. James says, It's personal, but it's, but it's not private. Must be acted out. Both God and his people will be involved in what you do with your words, time, money, and your desires for pleasure. As we live in community, as we live with each other, you think people don't know what we do, how we talk, how we behave, or what we don't do? James says Christianity is a public matter. It's about life together. He's targeting division. These Christians he's writing to are boastful about the future. They're quick to become angry. They're cursing at one another, slandering one another, grumbling against one another. They're showing favoritism and oppressing the poor. James' concern is that his readers stop compromising with worldly values and behavior and give themselves wholly to the Lord. James wants to overcome divided character in the Christian existence. He is concerned about wholeness and perfection of the Christian life. He is concerned about spiritual wholeness, both within each of us and within his church. We got through that. A lot of commentaries, a lot of people contributed to this. Any questions? Comments.
4: Really simple and straightforward to yourself and say I am not good enough myself. I cannot just sit on my laurels and not do anything for my neighbor. I have to go out and use God while He's taught me to do something.
0: That's important. Did you ever find that when you we actually get off our keisters and do something or reach out to somebody as, as, as uncomfortable as it might be. How it strengthens our faith. How it encourages us as well as them. How all of a sudden we feel like that, okay, Lord, I can do this. Anybody ever, ever experienced that? I didn't know if we'd have time for this. Ann Landers, old Think of this as the church. It's uh, written about a family, but think of it as a church. Um, Sorry, dear Amy, not not Anne. I grew up with Anne. (laughs) Every fall, my sister, cousins, and a cousin's sister-in-law have a weekend shopping excursion in our home city. We stay in a hotel, we treat ourselves, shop for our children, and go out for lunches and dinners. It's a great time to reconnect. I have a sister, Wendy, whom we do not invite. She is offended to the point of tears when she finds we have not invited her. My two sisters and I are very close in age, but Wendy wasn't, hasn't been as close to this set of cousins as my sister and I have been through the years. We are all married, stay-at-home moms. Wendy is a divorced working mom with one child. There are several reasons we do not include her. We know she doesn't have very much money for such an outing. She also does not have many of the same interests as we do. We're all very active churchgoers, while she only sporadically attends services. Plain and simple, she does not really fit in with us anymore. She takes it very personally. And last year, even came over to my home unannounced, crying about it, which upset my children and caused my husband to threaten to call the police if she did not leave. Now she barely speaks to me and has told our relatives that I am a horrible person, even though I've helped her. How can we get her to understand that she, she should perhaps find another set of friends whose lives and interests align more closely with hers? Sign, Sad Sister. Dear Sad, First, Let's establish that I agree with your sister. You're a horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you can do whatever you want and associate with or exclude whomever you want, but you don't get to do this and also blame the person you're excluding for not, not fitting in. The only way your sister would even fit in would be for you to make room for her. I'm gonna read that again. The only way your sister would even fit in would be for you to make room for her. You are unwilling to do that, and that is your choice. But her being upset is completely justified, and you'll just have to live with that. Perhaps this is something you could you could, it's kind of fuzzy here, I can't hardly read it. You could ponder from your church pew. <clears throat> While you're practicing your religion. Um, I can't read it. Anyway, but you don't, she's saying, but you don't seem to have learned much. What about the church? Do we do the same thing when we exclude people? When we have our little, little groups where we don't invite people to certain things? Uh, or where we somehow treat them differently. James talks about uh, about the rich man and the poor man, but he's talking about something much bigger than that. Uh, he's talking about the differences that we have. Maybe a Gentile versus a Jew. Maybe um, maybe someone of one trade versus another. Um, is everybody welcome? What say you? Kelsey Grammer has a new movie coming out that addresses that very issue. Yeah. I'm sorry, who? Kelsey Grammer. Okay. He uh, he's a preacher who's uh, pastoring a failing church made up of old stuffy people, okay. and a couple of hippies wander in huh. and
1: to make a long story short, he ends up with thousands and thousands. Of oh, I
0: know, I know what you're traditions. talking about. I've seen it advertised. Yeah. Yeah.
4: works both ways for anyone that doesn't feel comfortable with inviting these people and so a bunch of them stand up and then one older guy stands up and he starts to walk out and he steps into the pew and sits amongst the hippies and the whole audience in the theater last night for that. And it's really really cool Cindy's so an extra in the movie. Are you there? Are you there? What? Man. I'm in the back. I can't see. I'm in the
0: back. The question is, were you there when it actually happened? The movie is. You mean the movie? Oh, was it? I didn't go to Woodstock. <laughs>
1: The problem you might have with James is that it can get you right back into legalism. Am I doing enough? You know, I, I say I have faith, but haven't done too much this week, and, and you know, it can be kind of a roller
0: coaster. Yeah. Of, uh, thoughts on that? And, uh, I came. Kind of feeling good. Really yeah. I, about I yourself because maybe you did a lot. Yeah. I came out of a very legalistic background. And it's easy for me to feel the burden of performance, the burden of doing, uh, of earning. Uh, I was convinced that I couldn't make it because I wasn't good enough. And it wasn't until you know I came to understand covenant theology and grace that, holy mackerel, was so free. Uh, the flip side of that is, is that how do we deal with this? I think, I, I, I mean, that was the point that, I was trying to make with Luther and Wesley. Luther was speaking to a very different thinking at that time. Wesley was trying to say, okay, we're going a little too far here. We need to... It doesn't mean you can sit on, on your tail and do nothing. Uh, we need to be about the work. Can people see your Christianity and the way you live? Do they see it in what you do? And so Yeah, good point. I, I'm with you. <laughs>
3: Saved us and mm-hmm. he has works that he already arranged for us to do, right?
0: And he's given us the gift of the spirit, which requires us working. So it, it's, yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought, us, I right. thought Spurgeon said it well, it. yeah, you know, in, in in his that God frees us up to do the works that he's yeah. set out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, any other comments? Yes, sir. One of those things we need to pray about. Lord, what is it you have for me to do? What is it? Where is it that I can participate or I can help? Who is it out there that I can touch base with and help? Maybe it will help me. That's usually put right in there with James the Just, that his knees were like camel's knees because he spent so much time in prayer. Yeah. You know, I think
2: uh, probably in that, uh, Galatians 6, 9, and 10 probably
3: says it's the best. And let us not be weary and well doing, for in due season we shall read that we paint not. As we have therefore
0: opportunity,
3: let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who the hospital.
0: Right. Good. Mitch? Would you like to close us in prayer? Amen.